Are you looking for a resource to discuss all topics air conditioning? Well, you're in the right space. Join the Rawson boys as they discuss the hot topics and the cold hard facts. This is the Air Conditioning Podcast. G'day guys and welcome to another episode of the Air Conditioning Podcast where we discuss all things air conditioning, the hot topics and the cold hard facts. Well, what a chilly week it's been so far, bro. Chilly and foggy. Yeah. On the drive in this morning, you could barely see. Was it really? Yeah. 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 Very nice. Um, a few kangaroos around. Yeah. Didn't hit one. I didn't hit one. That's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> um, and uh, good for business, though. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Phone is ringing. Mm. That's a good thing. We want brass monkey weather. We don't yeah. like that, that warm stuff, do we? Exactly right. Yeah. So um, we have got some guests lined up today, Brad, on the show. Yes, we do. We've got uh, two, we're very lucky to have two guests from Aero. So uh, we'll get to them shortly. Yeah. Um, I thought what we might do is just uh, do a bit of a coronavirus update. According to the World Health Organization, globally, uh, we're currently at 8.9 million confirmed cases, 469,587 deaths, 152,325 new cases, Australia, seven, almost seven and a half confirmed cases, 102 deaths, and 6,915 recovered. Victoria, as we talked to the guys uh, before we hit record, having gone through a bit of a setback at the moment. Seven, well, not a slump, a bit of a spike. Yeah, they have, and 17 new cases reported apparently yesterday, with currently 131 active cases. Uh, as of the 22nd of June, the restrictions have tightened, and I'm led to believe that numbers in homes have been reduced to five inside, and, uh, and up to 10 gatherings outside. Uh, businesses are also taking a hit. They've been reduced to 20 people in any one space, which is uh, most upsetting for um, particularly hospitality and everyone else uh, that's affected, sure. so uh, it's not good at all. Um, and then we have Essendon Football Club. Yeah, that, was, uh, that was a strange one. That was a strange one. Tested positive, uh, five players going to isolation. However, in the last 24 hours, negative. negative. Yeah. Crazy. What's all that about? Yeah. World number one, Nova Djokovic, <coughs> also tested yeah. positive. So he's just finished playing a series of exhibition matches, ignoring social distancing. Living the dream. Irresponsible? Yeah, definitely. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Especially I mean, what it's been like over there. It doesn't send a good message, does it, no, to, no. Uh, to upcoming tournaments. SA, on the other hand, South Australia has some, had some good news. Monday the 29th, as of Monday the 29th of June, no more patron restrictions in venues, but two square metres of distancing rules. This is a big one. Adelaide Oval given the green light for crowds of up to 25,000 people. And I reckon uh, we'll get the grand final there, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big call, I reckon. But um, okay. up to uh, five thousand for SNFL matches. WA, finally, WA thirty thousand capacity up this oval, so that's yeah. great news for them as well. So the message out of all this, guys: stay safe, be responsible, keep socially distance, and stay the hell home if you are feeling unwell. Right. 
I'm okay. with the show. I'm with the show. So guys, um, thank you for waiting. Um, we'd like to introduce you uh, to Mark Bender and Tony Gleason from ERA. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for letting Thanks, us be here. <laughs> and you, uh, you cooped up in your houses, are you? Of course. Yeah. Nowhere else to go, really. That's no, right. We should yeah. clarify that the guys are currently living in Victoria. So yes. we, we, we feel your pain and we're sorry to hear that you're going through uh, this. And Hopefully it'll, uh, it'll, it'll get better. Hmm. Soon. Yep. Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah we're, we're hoping for it, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for those who aren't familiar with ERA, um, there wouldn't be too many because most of our audience is techs and uh, HVAC type business owners. So, um, but for those who aren't familiar, guys, could you just fill us in on what uh, the acronym ERA stands for and what, uh, what you're all about? Yeah, look, uh, ERA stands for the Australian Institute of Refrigeration, Air Conditioning and Heating. And it started in 1920. So we've been around for a hundred years and it really follows on the work that another Melbourneian or perhaps even somebody from Geelong in Victoria, uh, uh, James Harrison. He was the inventor of mechanical refrigeration. And James's background was that he was actually the editor of the age and the Geelong advertiser. He ran printing presses. He didn't want the ink to, uh, uh, uh a smudge on the printing presses. So he then uh, found through the use of chemicals and so forth that he was able to produce a uh, effectively a small refrigerator by putting uh, effectively alcohol through a small tube under pressure. He then uh, over the years developed that. See what happens when you don't have television or the internet. You've got plenty of time to right. play around with things. He basically de uh, developed a way of creating a freezer. And he then got into meeting exports of, of uh, basically meat to uh, Europe. Uh, like gr all great Australian inventors, unfortunately, his um, invention uh, probably lacked uh, the money for further expansion. And lo and behold, an Englishman uh, got the idea and went off with the idea of basically meat, uh, frozen meat exports to Europe. And effectively, James almost died penniless, but he does, is known around the world in history as being the father of mechanical refrigeration. It's quite incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. Didn't know that. Pretty talented guy. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, guys, what does um, the purpose of, uh, of ERA, what role do you play in this industry? Yeah. Look, I, I think, you know, ERA plays the role of basically trying to improve the industry. I, I believe that it's representing the industry. And, and in many states, the industry uh, is hidden by, for example, under electrical uh, and, and plumbing uh, regulations. Uh, HVAC and our industry doesn't stand alone. So we represent that industry. We're advocating for that to be a standalone industry and recognized as that. But we're also there about providing education through our magazines, through our own podcasts and our own webinars. <clears throat> We've just had over roughly about 1,400 people attend our webinars through the lockdown period. And so it's all about educating and bettering the industry, providing support where uh, traditionally there isn't any support. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that, we provide textbooks, design application manuals, and so forth. And this is all through the members' money. 
through the membership money. Uh, the, one of the things I will say, we don't uh, necessarily get a lot of support from uh, many governments to produce this. So this is all through the efforts of the members to produce and improve the industry. So we're there to advocate and promote it as an industry and support it. Why, don't, why is it that the government, why, why don't the government put money towards it, do you think? Oh, well, I think it's because it's often hidden under, like I said, plumbing or electrical trades union. Mm. Uh, a lot of the certificate courses, for example, are actually uh, under electromagnetic uh, 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 curriculum yeah. or, or in some states you actually have to have some sort of plumbing uh, certification to do it, electrical certification. And I think the other thing is that um, all of the material that we, uh, under engineering and mechanical engineering, if we go to the engineering level, uh, there is no specific courses in any of the universities in Australia that actually allow or teach HVAC and R principles. So it's sort of a hidden industry. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing mm -hmm. is too, the only time we ever complain about air conditioning and heating and refrigeration is when we break it. It breaks down. Exactly. We don't go. Oh, we don't go. Oh, I wonder why that guy's come in. I wonder where he's got his qualifications from, or, mm. or, you know, why why can't that be done better? Mm. Yeah. It's hidden industry. Yeah. It's quite specialised though. At the same time. Oh, it's, uh, I mean, yeah. it's high technology. A lot of the university students or TAFE students, when we go present, I say it's uh, high earning. That that's been proven. Uh, both at the technician and the engineering level. It's a very clean industry. It's full of technology. It's only going to advance. It, it has a lot of green aspects. So if you are in that greeny space, boy, you know, uh, it's all about energy efficiency because it is tied to cost. But, you know, you look at all the big companies today, you look at all the uh, supporting research is all about how can we do this greener, which really means uh, cheaper, but it is a green, clean industry and it's uh, and full of technology so you'll never yeah. be bored learning mm -hmm. exactly right and you mentioned yeah, of course, sorry, of course it's a job you can take anywhere in the world yeah yeah you know that uh, you know that's the thing it's forget about being a lawyer or an accountant because uh, you have to learn local laws and all that stuff yeah there's local regulations yeah gee, you can take it <clears> in the it's world. universal isn't it mm, that's true and you mentioned the members um tony how important are the members to well, they're the lifeblood. They're the ones that help us. Uh, well, uh, I think, what is it? It's an army of volunteers. Our design application manuals uh, are all, and committees that go around our conferences, our events, uh, people who actually help us in our advocacy, they're the lifebloods. They're the ones that help us drive uh, our opinions. And uh, recently, and maybe Mark can talk about this in our, we've done a, a licensing survey uh, amongst them, they're the ones that determine it. And mm -hmm. it's an army of volunteers. And basically, they, they commit back into the uh, industry. None mm -hmm. of them get paid. It's all about that volunteerism to make the industry better. Yeah. And how many members on board now? We've got 4,000, over 4,000 members. They're individual members. And on top of that, we have basically partnerships with larger companies of about another 10,000, as we say, in that space. And that's growing, growing steadily? Well, it has. We've seen a, certainly an increase in the last couple of years. Um, I think that's because I think there's a, a, a degree of people wanting 
I think there's a, quite a few things that uh, need to be debated or to be able to be uh, advocated for. You think deeper down there's been the Shergold We report that's come out over the last coming period of time. And HVAC and R practitioners want to have a voice in this. Definitely. Um, we talk about the, uh, you know, we talk about the licensing in the refrigerant space. Um, we talk about government you know, regulations. It's more practitioners wanting to have a voice in this space. Mm. Mm. Do you think, um, do you guys uh, believe that there should be a, an actual refrigeration um, license as such, as such for the, to, to obviously buy refrigerant but also use it and, and to be doing refrigeration type work? Mark, maybe you'd like to, because Mark's done a lot of yeah. work in this space recently. Yeah, look, I, I mean, you guys are aware of the, um, you know, Aero put out a position statement on HVAC and our licensing in Australia earlier this year, and I saw that you were um, promoting the survey that we ran online, so thanks for that. Um, and the reason we did that partly was because, you know, so many of our members and also, you know, the, the, the what we were hearing in the industry was was that there was a need for um, improved licensing in Australia. Yeah. So when you ask if um, you know if it's needed, yeah, definitely it's needed. Um, I think we've got some licensing regimes in place already. The question is how can we make them work better? Mm. Um, and that's sort of where where we're coming from with this piece of work that we're doing. Um, and you know the other part of it is probably uh, what Tony mentioned. It, it's partly about recognition, right? Mm. Um, I think what we've got at the moment is a very patchwork type of solution. Um, and in some states, um, you know, refrigeration air conditioning is being placed underneath other trades, mm. you know? Um, so it's not seen as a trade um, of its own. Um, and that's one of the messages that's come through really loud and clear in all our consultations with the industry is that, you know, um, there's, um, there's a desire for recognition, yeah. yeah, not just to be, yeah. please, please don't call us electricians, please don't call us plumbers, you know, yeah. this is a trade of its own. That's right. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something I think that uh, needs to be, needs to be pushed. Um, and obviously there's, there's a lot of people um, you, if you're, re you're reading all the, the forums and so forth on the internet, all, pretty much every person in the industry feels that way. So um, maybe it's uh, maybe we, we don't have the numbers that some of the other trades have. Is that would you think that would be a bit of a scenario? Got it. Uh, yeah, I think on, a Tony. lot of the numbers. There, there's a lot of. Uh, Hidden uh, people that sit at work around the periphery of it, um, you know. And reality is, a lot of people that call themselves plumbers, but they're really HVAC and R practitioners. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a lot of people that like to consider themselves engineers, but they're uh, mechanical engineers, and, and and but really, their their whole focus is around HVAC and R. And because it's look, let's be honest, it doesn't sound a sexy industry. Right? Mm. It doesn't sound like I'm a I, I'm an engineer and I build space rockets or I build mm. racing cars. Um, it, it it's and people tend not to I think um, gravitate uh, to this to to to, the, 
to calling it that industry yeah. unless it's basically their prime um, prime income. And even yeah. then, I think a lot try to gravitate around other areas like design or application and mm. being a technician, but they won't come out and say, I work in HVAC. Yeah, mm. I'm a refrigeration mechanic. <laughs> yeah, I'm a mechanic, full stop. You know? That's right, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, exactly and also right. I think of, yeah, and some, some people certainly uh, have broader aspects, you know, they do other things as well. But yeah. Do you, do you find your members come from a broad spectrum from across the country or are they sort of focused in um, pockets. in pockets? Oh, no, I think they're very broad spectrum. Yeah. And the reality, most people, uh, when you talk to them in our membership, they didn't start out. They didn't have the uh, dream as a 15-year-old boy or girl saying, I want to work in HVAC and R. Um, yeah. Whether it's in the trade or whether it's an engineer, uh, you know, a number of say, the engineers we speak to, they say, how'd you get into it? Well, I, I applied for a job uh, and I joined this big company and they said, great, as your experience as an engineer, you're going to go and work out in this HVAC and R space. Yeah. And they hadn't heard anything before it. Or someone in apprenticeship, you know, you hear lots of stories saying, you know, somebody knows somebody, it's a good clean trade, good money, you should go and give it a go. Well, all right, but yeah. it wasn't their heart's desire. Yeah. And as that, we get a broad spectrum of people right across the aspect. Yeah. We also get a lot of people over the years, they change within the fields. Mm. And by that, they start off, for example, as a technician and have moved right up and moved up to actually owning substantial co uh, uh, companies. Yeah. Um, but but they're really broad. There isn't one type of person that you could mm. you know, say, right, that person is our average technician or average yeah. engineer or average whatever. Yeah. And I'd imagine that um, ERA being one of the uh, few support networks that the industry has, um, you would have probably people contacting you venting their frustrations and probably your members, I suggest. What are you hearing from, uh, from members and others about the frustrations within, indus within the industry? Mark, you should have a go at this first because you have to deal with mm. a lot of them. And I'll yeah, deal look, when I, they're really bad, but Mark. I do, I do. I, I was laughing just before, not because our members have frustrations, but when you first said that, what, what did come to mind is that we do field a lot of phone calls just from the general public, actually. Um, you know, they just look up an organisation that's involved in air conditioning and they'll call us up and, you know, tell us that someone's installed an aircon system at their place and, you know, there's some kind of problem with it. So we get all kinds of inquiries. Um, but look, I guess when it comes to our members and the, the kinds of issues that they're facing, it, it really, it's, it's across all of the, and it, it, there's a massive spectrum of stuff that our members work on, I think, as Tony was just saying. So um, I guess um, to give you an idea, we, we um, have groups called special technical groups that, that sort of work in themes, you know, so we've got a refrigeration special special technical group at stg uh big data stg um i think there's one on um you know um hospital operating theaters um so really you know environmentally sustainable design resilience we've got one which is the women of era 
So there's lots of different concerns and um, I mean, usually it, it re relates to things that are going on in their spaces. So whether that be, um, you know, changes to regulations, uh, development of new standards, um, or yeah, I guess lately over the last three or four months, you know, impacts of COVID-19 uh, has, has been huge. That's probably mm. been um, the single biggest thing uh, that we've had this year. And, and of course, before that, um, all of the, you know, issues with the bushfires and the, and the smoke and how that was affecting HVAC yeah. systems. So, yeah, they, we, we get a really wide range of um, of inquiries from from our um, from our members. Mm. The certificate to restricted licences um, is is obviously a very big bone of contention within the industry, and uh, whenever it sort of comes up or you see something pop up on Facebook, and you tend to get. The industry just jumps on it, and and uh, and you, you can just sense the frustration uh, around that. Do you think that the certificate to restricted licensing was a good idea? I mean, what are you what are your thoughts around that? I think, firstly, Aira's position is very clear. It's a cert three. Mm. The certificate three is what should be there, should be mandated, should be the minimum. And that's our position. Yeah. If you go back over the years, though, um, really certificate twos were originally put into place to grandfather people who'd been in the industry for 20 years or more and effectively had come from a background before certificates even existed. What yeah. hasn't happened is, and I think people recognise that that had a great value back in the day, I think it's outlived its usefulness because people now do have the opportunity for certificate threes. I think the other aspect of it is that um, the, the certificate three itself is providing a more broader aspect, more around the type of mm. technician that we've got in that space. But we've also got the mm. challenges. There's a great demand for work out there in, in particular areas. And so how do we go through a transition um, to make sure that the work is still done as we go from a certificate, wind out certificate two to certificate three. Now, I think there's a process and we're advocating for that. So what I'm saying is just don't get rid of certificate twos overnight. Mm. Let's begin this process of winding it down and moving to the certificate three. Yeah. And that process hasn't begun yet, by the way. And tra traditionally, that was the apprenticeship, wasn't it? The, um, it was a certificate three, um, I think. But the certificate three came in later on, but originally it was you doing an apprenticeship, which was four years, I think, three years um, uh, on the um, theory side, and then you had a, a year in the, in the field. Um, and, and that year in the field, I think, is quite important as well to, uh, to be an all-rounded technician because, I mean, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, when you come out of your apprenticeship, you're still only, a, you're, still only you're brand new to the, the, the trade. You, there's a lot to learn. And I think also with this concept of Certificate 2 and Certificate 3 and so forth, uh, on-the-job working and recognition and even having a framework around that should be in place to recognise the time you've spent. Yeah. And that was sort of the basis of what a Cert 2 was. But now, effectively, you, you may almost don't need to have any time on the job. Do the certificate, now I can do X and Y yeah. and Z. Uh, <clears throat> it, 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 that recognition of that time on the job has sort of 
gone away or yeah. certainly not as strong as it was, say, 20 years ago, for example. Yeah. I think the um, Certificate 2 was definitely watered down uh, with some of the conduct of the um, uh, training um, organisations that were actually carrying out that that course as well. I think that's that's had a, a big effect on the, the quality of people coming out of that, I suppose. Well, I can't really comment on that, but we can certainly comment on the fact that if we have a look at, uh, there's certainly in our magazine, HVAC and Our Nation, we have uh, a, a, a whole section dedicated on to poor installations. There's evidence out there. Uh, and the, but the evidence hasn't been collected on who does a Cert 2 getting better yeah. uh, versus Cert 3. I mean, they're the sort of things that need to be done. Yeah. Um, but, but we do, as an industry, want to raise the level of, of that industry up. And I go yeah. back to teaching years ago, you didn't need any degree to teach. Sorry, you needed a degree, but there was no course. This is only 40 years ago, yeah. walked straight out of university, you can teach. Well, now they're talking, to, well, actually it is, it's a two year degree at, yeah. now. So I think we, and that's recognizing the time evolves. in front of, under in a classroom uh, or, or an apprenticeship is valuable and you need that to be able to do the job. And there's, yeah. like I said, there's no recognition of that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we put out a post guys, um, we've mentioned that you were coming on the show and if anyone had any questions directly to ask you, um, I'll just read out a couple if, if you would um, help us uh, with this. Um, from the, uh, this is by the um, Facebook page. Nathan Connolly said, can we find out how much pushback ARA have applied against the Cert 2, an influx of other trades in our industry? Have you got some comments around that for us? Well, I think to begin with, we, uh, in our core position statement, which you can clearly find on the internet and that we've clearly distributed is that Cert 3 is, um, is, a, is, is what we should be at yeah. and that we should be working towards a, a, phased, a phase away from the Cert 2 that has been presented to government, to various government bodies, including the ARC. Um, and uh, it's our and it's our, it's our position that we're, we're trying to advocate and get more people across. So certainly that, uh, Mark. Any other? You know, you've been across some of this too. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, I mean, this is an effort that's been going on for probably better part of a year. You know, driven by the members of our refrigeration special technical group at ERA. Um, so you know, it's been a fairly slow process, I guess, of like, get, let's get this position statement in place. Let's get some feedback on the yeah. position statement. So it's been partly, um, you know, the survey. And I should say also thanks to Armour who really helped to um, promote that survey as yeah. well. Um, and now the next step is, well, we've, we've kind of got all that feedback. I think what it's saying is that there's overwhelming support for, um, you know, the main pillars of, of ERA's position. Um, and now we're kind of got a, well, we're going to be taking it to to the regulators. You know, we're going to be taking it to other industry bodies, which continue to strengthen it. But I guess it's also well, we got to put forward a compelling case for change as well. Um, so that's kind of the next step. Is mean, you know, it's all very well for us to say, hey, this is our position, and send it to somebody, and you know, then it gets put in a drawer or something. Yeah. Um, but you know, we've got to keep those dialogues going and start to actually look at um, you know, where we can change things, and that. that um, that may happen in, in many different ways as well. Yeah. 
And I think um, hopefully that's why we sort of decided to do this podcast was so that we could talk to people like yourselves and let's let's keep the momentum moving, I suppose. We're all, all of this together, as they say. Um, so now Peter Cairns, um, from, uh, again from Arma, said, uh, why do you have the ARC as a key partner? Do you think having ARC as a key partner sends a message to the government that we, the HVAC industry, also condone and support ARC's existence? From a technician's point of view, don't you think that having the ARC as a key partner is turning said technicians away from ARA? Well, I think the number one thing is here, if you're not at the table to debate these things, if not a cable to put your position, you're just seen as people, you know, potentially be seen as just throwing stones from outside the tent. It's far better to be in the tent, be part of the debate, be part of those discussions and making people aware of uh, our position. We're not the only one who is in partnership with the ARC that that agrees with this, that Cert 3s. And trust me, there's other bodies out there that also agree with it. I think it's a, the issue is how to uh, how we get the, the transition. I think the other thing is people, the ARC is predominantly an administration body. It isn't setting the agenda. It's the Australian government that sets the agenda of this. Um, and uh, the ARC isn't a lobbying or an advocacy body either. It's, it's there to administer and provide support for the government. And, and this is the thing that if we're not at the table where the government is, because that's yeah. they are part of the ARC, we need to be where the, the action is to advocate. That's a key aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Claire Craig Parkin. Um, curious about ERA's thoughts on unlicensed people carrying out and cleaning of air conditioners when uh, the Arctic Fact Sheet 13 clearly says that Certificate 2 cannot maintain or service ACs and yet every cleaning company is doing so. Not sure how this has become a grey area when it's clearly written in the ARC Fact Sheet. I mean, that is something that we'd see quite a lot pop up uh, on Facebook at about, you know, they're doing... Um, uh, you know, uh, split cleans for three bucks, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, what, what's your thoughts around that? Happy to jump in on that one if you, if you like. I mean, we're aware it's an issue. I think, yeah, like you say, we've been seeing on, um, you know, the um, Facebook pages and stuff. This has been coming up for a while. And, um, you know, the survey that we just ran, a couple of people also mentioned it. And, um, you know, partly it's an issue because... Uh, there are companies losing work um, to people who aren't qualified to maintain air conditioning systems. But um, yeah, clearly it's also a safety problem. Yeah, we've heard some horror stories about things that people have been told, unqualified people have been told to do to, to clean um, air conditioning systems. And mm -hmm. um, you know, on top of that is the, the damage that they're, they're doing to the, all they yeah. can do to the, to the systems. So I guess the question's whether there should be some aspect, well, the, the question that I've seen put out there is that should there be some aspects of cleaning that can be performed by people who have qualifications other than a Cert 3? Um, I mean, at the moment, the, the licence rules state that it, it falls under maintenance. That means you need a Cert 3. So, um, you know, I think in other states, we have seen different rules for work on split systems under a certain value. Um, our position is like Tony said, we, we just want a nationally harmonised system with mm. clear rules and we want those rules to be enforced. Mm. So, sure. yeah. 
I think the other yeah. aspect around this, there is one uh, uh, duct cleaning uh, certificate out there, and that's a Cert 2. That was submitted to the Australian government to be a um, Cert 3, but they rated it as a Cert 2. So we've got an element of that. The yeah. other aspect is that um, we are trying to bring in the national, it's called NADCA certification. Um, it's uh, fairly expensive. We're trying to bring it to Australia. Generally, it's done in the US and that's accepted by insurance companies. So we're trying to get that out there. But there isn't a lot of training, uh, formal education in that duct cleaning space uh, as well. And, and we're advocating or trying to get something going in that. Yeah. But ultimately, um, we believe in a Cert 3, but yeah. trying to get to that point. That's right. You can understand how the frustration around that, like I say, it's taking jobs away from our, our qualified uh, techs and, um, I mean, is there a is there a means of reporting people that shouldn't perhaps shouldn't be doing it, um, and and who should be policing it? Well, in any system, uh, there's always not enough police, and I don't want to be trivial, but COVID nineteen is one of the a good example at the moment of people checking. The issue, uh, and the issue is that the people who are they come to do work, you should be asking for their qualifications. You mm. should be asking. The, the end user should be policing to begin with. I know it's, it's it, you don't go to a dentist and say, where's your diploma, mm. right, or your degree. Exactly. Yeah. But, but ultimately, that's the level we're going to have to get to to start this. Um, yeah. And no matter what the government then needs to provide, fund that police force, uh, I don't think at this point in time it's a high priority. Uh, but mm. the individual needs, the individual owner should be asking this. Yeah, maybe each individual, uh, sorry, each individual tech or um, company needs to to make the, um, you know, the end user aware of this as well, that, you know, you need to know who's working on your equipment and at the end of the day, it's a, it's a fair investment in your, in your, uh, in your house, so... Yeah. Well, I think the industry itself could also promote itself when someone goes to a, a, yeah. an office or a home, here's my credentials. Make yeah. that to be mandatory in that space. Make, mm. it, uh, make the individuals to. Yeah. I mean, it'd, be great, uh, it'd be great to have some sort of carrot and stick approach uh, where an organisation or, uh, for example, if I want some work done, the homeowner mandates that. And if, if the homeowner hasn't seen it, there's no form that hasn't been signed off. That form has to be you know, submitted to get paid by some, but, but that's really a very difficult process of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, final question, uh, guys. Um, Andrew Gardner um, actually does a Facebook page uh, called Fundamental Energy, uh, feresearch.com.au. So his question was, what's your thoughts on the ban of, on hydrocarbon refrigerants in Queensland? The DNRME Shadow Minister Dale Last has indicated to him, Andrew, that he will lift the ban on hydrocarbon refrigerants in Queensland if the LNP gets in the next state election on October 31st. Yeah, happy to jump in again. Just yeah. to say that, look, I mean, I've seen Andrew uh, posting a lot about um, hydrocarbons, um, you know, during my time in the industry. And, and um, 
again, going back to that survey, there were a lot of comments um, about, you know, the rules for hydrocarbons in Queensland. Um, look, I, I think we go back to let's get nationally consistent rules, yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. Let's get nationally consistent regulations. Yeah. Um, but I guess the other side of it, and this is probably where, you know, it is a highly flammable refrigerant. Um, you know, the national license at the moment um, doesn't cover hydrocarbons. So, um, mm. you know, that's certainly one of the things that we're advocating for as well. We want a license that covers all refrigerants, mm. not just, um, you know, um, HFCs with a high global warming potential or, um, you know, ozone depleting gases. Um, you know, all these natural ones as well should be covered as well. So, um, you know, for safety and uh, I think because they're going to be used more and more in the future. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're also sort of looking at all these areas. There's, there's things going on in each state. Yeah. Um, as you know, it's a, it's a real patchwork in Australia. So, um, mm. uh, you know, we're sort of, I'll, I will be in touch with Andrew and sort of yeah. find out <laughs> a bit more about what yeah. the latest developments there. Sure. It is. A, it's definitely a, um, a bit of a dangerous space, the hydrocarbon. Um, really good refrigerant, but uh, you definitely should be having, you know, fully qualified people working on on that equipment. It's just too dangerous to, to muck around with. So I, I think, think it's I, very important. I think that's um, Andrew's exact point is, I don't think it's actually a ban per se, but um, I think his point is that they've made it very um, expensive to, to, do a, to do a changeover. Um, and essentially what that's uh, doing is um, uh, if, it's, if it's an expensive exercise and, and, and a technician has their client sort of on their case saying, well, look, we want to make it a more efficient system, et cetera, they go ahead and do the, the changeover. Um, but, of course, don't want to put their name against it because it's, uh, it's illegal to do it. So um, suddenly you end up with a, a very dangerous situation if that person is not going back to, to work on that unit. No, sure. I, I, I agree. I think, look, another aspect around this is that the various states are using some of uh, what our practitioners, technicians and engineers as a bit of a political um, device. Yeah, for uh, sure. And, and, it, and until I really got involved in this industry, I didn't realise the environment changed at the state borders. <laughs> what I mean by about that, who can handle what, who can handle this and what you can do and what you can't do and who's in the plumbing and who's in the lead. It, it's, this makes it so hard to advocate mm, yeah. because um, it's used, often used as a political device. Mm. And, and we're talking about people's livelihoods, people's yeah. safeties. And we're talking about the, you know, and ultimately the future of our, our children. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And it is exactly. used as a political device. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Well, look, guys, we, we are just about out of time. In fact, we've probably run over of your um, time. <laughs> I've got a stack of questions here that I was hoping to get to, but we're not going to get to them today. So we'd love for you guys, if you would, to come back on again, perhaps in the future, and we can run some more through some more questions and. No doubt there'll be more questions that come out of it from today. Um, but if you'd be so kind as to join us again, that would be great. Yeah, it sounds great. It'd be good uh, at some point in the future to see where how things have progressed as well, you know. And, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. So, Brad, with that said, it's almost that time. It is that time. I think it is that time. It's that time. All right. 
All right, here we go, guys. It's the, the fun bit of the, the show. So who are we going to start off with? Well, Mark uh, or I'll let the guys decide. Flip a coin. Who wants to go first? <laughs> Someone's the lab of All right, I'll take it. Go on. <laughs> I'm not sure who's going to get the last question, but we'll wait and see. So this is Keeper That Call in the Hot Seat segment. For those playing at home, it's where we read out a, a series of uh, short questions and uh, your shortest possible answer would be appreciated. So uh, are we ready to go? Let's do it. Ready. Here we go. Uh, Favourite sport, NRL or AFL? It used to be NRL, now AFL. Your favourite team? Sydney. Uh, Tony, beer, wine, spirits or all three? Uh, all three. Any favourites? <laughs> Captain Morgan. Oh. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, Mark, if you could change your name, what would it be, please? Ronaldo. <laughs> oh, I thought we lost you for a second. <laughs> you thought long and deep about that one. You want his name or his pay packet? <laughs> uh, Tony, if you were on a desert island with one person, who would it be? Oh, my wife. Very nice. Safe Sorry. answer. Safe answer. Mark, are you a morning person, yes or no? Yeah, morning person. Uh, Tony, if you could be an animal, what would it be and why? Oh, a cat. They're smart. They don't do too much work. They know. They only hang out around with people they want to hang out with. Because if you don't treat them well, they're going to rack off. <laughs> That's uh, right. You know, they, they 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 conserve their energy. There you go. Very nice. Um, Mark, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flying. Go for flying. Yeah. Flying. Uh, Tony, are you a toilet paper folder or scruncher? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> You're a bidet man, are you? <laughs> we, we had one of those last week. We? <laughs> yeah, we did, Mark. What's the creepiest thing you could say whilst passing a stranger on the street? Oh, this is a hard one. Maybe nice to see you again. <laughs> Very good. Um, Tony, if you were the PM, what's the first thing that you would change? Third twos are <laughs> <laughs> phased out to and only mandate cert threes. Very nice. Good answer. Um, Mark, is a hot dog a sandwich, yes or no? No. No way, man. <laughs> Tony, what's the strangest thing you've ever worn? Oh, okay. me? Oh, yes. a pirate's hat. A pirate's hat. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. It was fantastic. Did your wife have a cheek over that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> she, oh, no, she made me walk, walk the plank after it. Oh. Um, uh, Mark, your favourite feature about yourself? I'm, I'm pretty fond of my legs. Yep. <laughs> nice looking legs. You're happy with those. Good fins. Oh. Yeah, all right. <laughs> now, Mark, you'll be glad that you asked the first one because Tony gets the last one. Tony, what is your porn star name? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Blackie Somerset. <laughs> very nice. Oh, very good. Well, there you go. There's the buzzer, guys. Well done. You got through all of those. And I hope uh, it wasn't as awkward for you as it was for us. <laughs> uh, the problem is you've got the... Um, uh, you've got now got the recorder. You do, do anything. You want. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. So, uh, I didn't uh, answer that question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Now, look, uh, guys, thanks again for giving up your time and coming on the show today. We really, really appreciate it. And... Uh, like I said before, we'd love to have you back on again. So in the meantime, we'll put a link to our show notes. And if people want to get in touch with you regarding just general stuff or, or memberships, how do they get in touch with you? Oh, yeah, error. look, I think... Uh, go on, Tony. Oh, error at error.org.au, yep. which is our general inbox and we can deal with it there. Yep. We also have Another a thing, guys... Um, the other thing, guys, hopefully, we, you know, what you're doing is great. Um, you know, we'd like to somehow get you involved in error, either doing a vice versa podcast or yeah, that'd be great. We'd presentation. Love yep. More to promote what you're trying to do because you're doing a, a great effort trying to get the debate, the word out there. So. Yeah, thank you very thank much. You very sure. We appreciate that. I, 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 when we started, I didn't think anyone was going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> they showed us. <laughs> Well, thanks again, guys, and uh, um, Brad, and well, in fact, before we do that, we'll say if anyone wants to get in touch with us, airconditioningpodcast.com, yep. Twitter, Facebook, Facebook Insta, Insta, I think that's about yeah. it, that sums it up nice. I think we're going to do a LinkedIn page, aren't we? We are going to do a LinkedIn page, yeah. and we're also going to go YouTube, so watch that's this right. space, yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll be doing, getting some up on the, uh, on the old YouTube as well, so... Uh, that just about wraps us up for now. So uh, we're going to sign off and say thanks again, guys. Until be, the next episode, Brad. Be healthy. Be cool. <laughs> See you, guys. See ya. That's all for this episode of the Air Conditioning Podcast. Be sure to stop by at airconditioningpodcast.com to connect with us, as well as on Facebook and Twitter, and join in the conversation. Until next time, stay tuned, stay positive, and stay cool.